0: Your brothers today if you can go ahead and have a seat down with your families if you'd like I invite you to turn in your Bibles this morning to the seventh chapter of the Gospel of Matthew seventh chapter Matthew's Gospel Amen. now please hear this today Before you can make an honest assessment of what I'm going to preach this morning, you need to either have been here two Sundays ago or ask for the CD. Right back there in the sound booth on this side, there is a a notebook. All you have to do is grab that pencil or pen there, follow suit with what others have done. Put your name and whatever message you're looking for. But two Sundays ago... I preached primarily about this seeker-sensitive movement. It's not brand new, but it is more prevalent today than it ever has been, and it has ever been, I should say. And I titled it, in case you don't remember, I titled it, How to Preach and Accomplish Nothing. You really need to listen to that CD for today to make honest sense to you. If not, you might leave here today thinking, um, what's he so angry about? But it's one of those things that unless you hear the origin, you may not understand the ending. But I'll do my best with the help of God. Matthew chapter 7, verse 22 and 23. Amen. Many will say to me in that day, Lord... Have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Powerful scripture right there. Conversation going on between the Almighty God and those before him. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. You, depart from me, rather, ye that work iniquity. Let's go back, Sister Playa, if you would not mind, and we're going to read the whole thing in concert today, all right? If you are here and you can read and you care to out loud, everybody follow me. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Going to preach today with the help of the Lord religious pollution. Religious pollution. Thank you for your mercy, God, today. For what you're doing and what you have done in hearts, in lives, in families, in homes, in ministries, and in individuals. Help us, God, today. To glean from your presence, your will, your mind, your heartbeat, your desire, your strategy. Don't let us go any farther or stop any short of your perfect and divine order and will today. We give you all the praise and all the glory in the holy and the mighty and the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. God bless you today. Look at somebody and say, religious pollution. You may be seated. God bless you. I understand it began far before this time, but for some reason, I was 17 years old in 1976, and this, the country was celebrating, celebrating Bicentennial Year. 200 years that America and the Constitution's origin. And they were celebrating that bicentennial, 1976. I was was all of 17 years old, Sister Amber. And for some reason the year, maybe it was perhaps I was driving more that year or whatever, but it became very apparent to me that this push, the EPA government entities like that behind this push to rid our communities of litter, it was... I know it was always illegal, but it was nothing abnormal to be driving down the road, as I've mentioned before, and see someone in front of you roll the window down, toss an entire bag of McDonald's wrappers out. You didn't, you didn't oh, freak out or in awe or look at that person, get their license plate. It was, it was just common to flip a Coke can out the window or something like that. But it became apparent that about that time there was a great political push to clean up the cities and clean up the areas. The streets, etc., and the neighborhoods, and they started pasting or posting signs, five hundred up to five hundred dollar fine for littering. I never knew if anybody ever got vi- ticketed for that. Probably did, but it became illegal to publicly litter. I'm talking about pollution that is controllable. That's what I remember about that particular subject, but. I want you to recall today and remember that it's doctrine season here. It is doctrine season here. It's not bear season, moose season, but it's doctrine season. We're going to take about two months or so. We're going to take several weeks at least and talk about biblical foundational doctrine. Not insinuation, not attitude or ideals or opinions, but biblical doctrine. Biblical doctrine is in your Bible. Did you know that today? I'm not talking about the Baptist way of doing it, the Pentecostal's way of doing it, the Assembly of God's way of doing it. I'm talking about biblical doctrine. Thus saith the Lord. I'm not talking about opinions of some organization. I'm talking about what's written in the Word of God. I strongly believe in personal conviction. I strongly believe that if you're close to God, He's going to speak to you about personal things in your life that you should take care of, clean up, deal with. But I'm not talking about personal conviction in doctrinal season. I'm talking about biblical tenets, creeds, and orders of God. 2 Timothy 4 the apostle Paul said in verse 2 that we are to preach the word be instant in season out of out of season reprove rebuke exhort with all long suffering and doctrine am i alone today or has anybody noticed how prevalent religious pollution is in society today For for as long as I can remember, we have always tried to keep a radio on in our home on Christian broadcasting. I don't care for the things that the world offers, not because I'm holier or better than them, but because I'm weak. You hear me? The flesh is weak. I have a past. I have a pre-Christ Memory and things that I've done. And so it's good for you and I to keep the past, the past, and the present ever growing. Praise the Lord. But even in the safety of religious broadcasting, there is so much pollution. There is so much junk on there that will lead a good-hearted, well-meaning serious-minded child of God astray to places of compromise and away from the will of God, if you assume that just because it's on Christian broadcasting, it's worthy of you to hear and your children to hear, oh, they they may have X'd out the X rating. But we're not talking about those things right now. We're talking about truths that have been twisted. I told you last week, I'll tell you again, that many people will accuse you of being judgmental. And they'll quote Matthew 7.1, don't judge me. Because you know you'll be judged in the end. Well, you know, the biggest violator of judgment are people who want to twist the Scripture. And the origin of twisting Scripture is Satan. He said to the Lord himself, yea, hath God said or to man, to God's creation. And then in Matthew 4 and Luke chapter of the same number, he questioned the will of God. Is God really going to protect you if you jump off this and if you do this? and Will you call on angels? Will God come through for you? He twists the scriptures. And if you're one of those people in the kingdom of God that never prays about anything, your flesh leads you everywhere you go. If you're angry, that's how you react. If you're depressed, that's how you react. If you're one of those men, women, young people, or elders, then everything out there will sound good to you. Because the seeker-sensitive movement has put a spin on their presentation to appeal to people's emotion. They don't want to offend anybody. They don't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable. They want you to come to church and say, wow, yeah, I can keep living just like I've been living. I can even occupy a board position in that church. I can be on the platform in that church. I could be an assistant pastor, a third man in that church. I can play the drums. I could be on the keyboard and still live every day the way I want to live. That's what is behind the deceiving... Motion, direction, I should say, of the seeker-sensitive movement. Again, if this sounds critical to you, get get the CD from two Sundays ago, How to Preach and Accomplish Nothing. But it's prevalent today, brother and sister. It's prevalent. I'm not telling you every person that names the name of Christ is hooked up and consumed by religious pollution, but I'm saying there's enough of it out there. Think with me today. If you've ever found a, uh, a fresh water stream, I guess they're all fresh water, but, but it can be polluted with the smallest, the most minutest. Whew, go back to school. Not the most minutest. The most minute of polluted substances. You can take a small amount of oil or contamination and put it in a large body of water and it affects many, many things. First John 4, verse 1. I'd like to quote, I'd like to read it rather out of the common English translation of the Bible. 1 John 4, verse 1. I'll quote the King James been, try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. That's First John 4, 1 John 4:1, King James. Common English. Dear friends, don't believe every spirit. Now, it's not talking about, you know, invisible voices ministering to you or speaking to you. not talking about angels and demons and ghosts and goblins. It's talking about spirits that are influencing the human circle. Believe not every spirit. Test them to see if they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone into the world. Notice that he combines the work of false prophets with deceiving spirits. Now you can bury your head in the sand and say, Oh, I don't want to come to church and hear this, Pastor. I want you to tell me how good I am. But test the spirits. I heard someone mention this morning about testing God. Don't don't run away from me here on the subject. Stay on the subject here. But how can we test the spirits? How can we test the voices of false prophets? Oh, I have a a way of just discerning, Pastor. Please save your breath. Save your breath. Read the Word, Brother Paul. The Word. The Word of God. Test it by the... Sure, sure, all those matter combined, all those things combined. If it's not written in the Word of God, if it doesn't comply with what is written in the Word of God, I should say, then we have to be very cautious with what we sell out to, right? That's not not Pentecostalism, that's the Bible. Test the spirits. Put them to the test. He didn't say tempt them. See how close to the fire you can get without being burned. He said, test them. If it doesn't, if it's not confirmed by the mouth of two or three witnesses, Paul said, don't have anything to do with it. Maybe this is too straight for Sunday morning, all right? We're talking about religious pollution here. Test the spirits. Look in the book. Hallelujah. Saw a man, Brother Marshall, the other day in in uh, a local establishment. And when I saw him, I was walking across this little opening there in the foyer, and I, I noticed him staring at me, and I thought, I, I, I don't know him, but he obviously knows me. And he come over, and he explained to me, started to explain to me, tried to explain to me something that he understood about. Being faithful to God. And I was honestly trying to follow the storyline, honestly trying to follow. And in my heart, there were all sorts of emergency bells and whistles going off. The pollution, the distortion, the lies. I'm not saying he was intentionally doing that, but I could see his mind muddled with every wind of doctrine, every form and opinion. Every personal, private
1: revelation
0: of people that have been, have bestowed it upon him. And I just prayed for the man as he walked away. I thought, God, give my friend clarity of understanding about how to be faithful to God. It isn't rocket science, but if we're not careful, we'll get the waters muddied and polluted with all sorts of useless nonsense. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said. This, I don't know if I'm going to get through all this today, but this is so, so alarming, so eye-opening, so, so gut-wrenching. Galatians 1 verse 8, Paul said, Though we, Or an angel from heaven. (laughs) Though we are an angel from heaven. Paul didn't say a demonic spirit. An angel cast out from heaven. He said lend me your imagination. This is what Paul is saying. Lend me your deepest thoughts right now. He said imagine if it were even possible and it's not. But imagine remotely if an angel came down to you with the way out, cockeyed, cockamamie, crazy idea to deceive you. He said, imagine that. That's impossible scenario unfolding. Should he come to you and preach any other gospel than we have preached unto you? should he come and preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you? Paul, you you are one arrogant human being, buddy. What gives you the authority to stand and say that what you have preached is authoritative? Remember what he said way over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2? We don't preach with some demonstration of man's ability. This is not a juggling contest. I'm not a spelling bee. We're talking about a calling and anointing that God's Spirit will justify and vindicate. That when God sins, He qualifies. And what God qualifies, He justifies. And when God sends a man, when God sends a man, He gives him authority. That authority is in the written Word of God. That's why it's so important we be full of the Holy Ghost every day. But look what Paul said. He said, imagine this, though we If something goes wrong in my life, and I come back telling you I had it wrong, and I start to twist and conform and manipulate in your thinking the preached word of God. He said, if that never happens, imagine an angel coming from heaven. Not Lucifer, but from heaven. He said, that's how strong this doctrine is. It's not to be trifled with from human side or the angelic side. Let him be accursed. That's pretty stern language right there. I'm going to smile and say it again. Though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached. What is the gospel? It is the death. It is the burial. It is the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, the first and the last, that which was, which is, and which shall come. And Paul said, if anybody anywhere, human or divine, or angelic at least. He said, you have the right to pronounce judgment on that. But see, in this prevalent, polluted, religious circle of life, when you preach rock-solid biblical truth, you're labeled one of those one of those. Now I'm in the Word. I, I haven't got out of it yet. And I hope if you're a note-taker, you're going to get all of these scriptures rather than just twisting and choosing what you want. We're going to, we're going to lay it down very simple, simply for you today. But when someone looks at you and says, you're one of those, when someone looks at you and says, oh, so you believe it's Jesus only. It's Jesus Christ and Him crucified, and that's the only way. Well, again, I'm going to stay in the Scriptures. When Jesus Himself said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the light." that's good enough for me, brother. That's good enough for me. Now, Isaiah said this, if there's any word, if there's any Scripture in the entirety of the Word, and there are more than one, but... In my simple way of thinking, this is the the most explanatory definition of blaspheming against the Holy Ghost. People who have been around for a while eventually, eventually get a little wind, a little puff of knowledge about the unforgivable sin. I'm quoting when I say that. The unpardonable thing. The blasphemy. Jesus said, he that blasphemes against the Holy Ghost is in danger of eternal damnation. Brother, you don't trifle with that stuff. This is, the, this is the most simple. Boy, my vocabulary is destructive today, isn't it? This is the most eloquent and yet the simplest way to understand what Jesus was talking about. Woe unto him that calls good or evil good and good evil. That's blaspheming right there. He doesn't say if you know it or you don't know it. He says if it's intentional or unintentional. Woe. You know what woe means? It's it's that final bar of judgment, it's that final place a human being goes, there is no return. No, you don't want to be there. Don't want to be there. And so when they look and say, oh, you're one of those. Now, I do thank God, I do thank God that the, even the Apostle Paul admitted that he not only persecuted the church, he blasphemed against the things of God. And somewhere in God's infinite mercy, forgive me, Lord, I don't want to misrepresent anything in the Scripture that's sacred and holy. Help me to do it with tenderly, God, with tender touch right here. But somehow Paul, the Apostle Paul's ignorance, it wasn't winked at, but it was mercifully blotted out. And I believe the same God that mercifully blotted out Paul's transgression will blot out ours. Because before we came to God, if you were like me, I'll just say I was—I, I, there was no filter, okay? Well, I got three a mans out of that. There was no filter. So if God held me accountable before I came to him and and the blood of Jesus was applied to my life, if he still holds me accountable, then let's just go home. But of course, but of course, when a person finds him in the power of confession, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins. I'm in the scriptures. I'm not going wild on you. If we confess our sins. Never get so big and high and mighty in in your relationship with God that you can't fall on your knees and say, God, I've been stupid, I've been sinful, I've been shameful, I've been carnal, I've been unholy, I've been... If we confess, yes, stubborn, all those things. But you 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 got to confess it, right? Let me get back on track here. Thank you so much. Religious pollution is everywhere. And so, Jude chapter 3, or Jude verse 3, we are commanded to earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. Earnestly contend. That means it's something worth bringing to our attention and dealing with and fighting against and struggling and opposing the faith, the, not faith in God, but the faith of the scriptures, the, the, the line, the doctrinal faith, the faith. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, Ephesians 4, that faith. It's not talking about you having belief in God when you're in a trial. He's talking about the faith. I've kept the faith, Paul said. You got to contend for it. Why would you have to contend for it? Because we're living in an era Paul knew where our faith was going to be attacked by all of all sorts of polluted lies all sorts of opinionated watered down hypocritical oh lord all right 1 Timothy 6:12 said fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life now listen to this very closely the bible says that the devil works through various methods we all know that don't we we know he is, he is sly. He's tricky. I'm just going to throw these out there for you. try to get through them. Sister Pleo will throw this up on the screen. If you want you want to write it down right quickly. Devil has a quite a tool bag. You look at some mechanics, you know, and you look at their toolbox, you go, "Wow, there's a lot of money there. I don't know what they call them, Brother. Uh, anybody here a welder? Brother Lance, what are them, them little things you clean out, cutting torch tips with them? Little, uh, I don't know, it's a little box, and you can unfold different sizes of little files. I sat in my house the other day just in awe because my dad's had that thing for decades. And he used to teach me how to clean out the tip of the torch with this little file. Get the right size, Ron, get the right size. But there are different methods he uses to plug things up. All right? Four, four, Second Corinthians. Four, and four, Second Corinthians. He blinds. He messes with our vision. He blinds. 11, 21, Daniel, he flatters. He messes with our ego. Don't try to tell me you don't have an ego. Sorry, brothers, you've come too late. you come way too late to tell me that one. He blinds, he flatters, 11, 14 of Corinthians, he deceives, no marvel, he's saying, what are you surprised for? Satan himself transformed into an angel of light. 4, 1 Matthew, he tempts, did you catch that? He blinds, he flatters, he deceives, and he tempts. He messes with our vision, our ego, our mind, and ultimately our flesh. And you can throw in there for good measure. He lies, John 8.44. He accuses Revelation 12, verse 10. He threatens 1 Peter 5.8, your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. How does he do it? How does he do all that? It, I'm of this persuasion today. That he accomplishes a lot of that through religious pollution. Yeah. 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 Religious pollution? I have said it before to some dismay, said it before to some disagreement. I've said it many times before and still feel as strongly about it today as I ever have. That when people tell me, Cousin Bernie, Sister Susie, Uncle Tommy, at least they're going to church. I know, I know what the religious circle thinks. Oh, goody, 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 that's a start. And I see that. I understand the gist of that. I really do. I really do. But let me tell you, if they're not being led by God, if they're not being ministered the word of truth, what good does it fo- fo- to follow a blind man? Both will fall into the ditch. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that I'm, or the Pentecostal way is the only people that know anything. I'm not saying that at all. I'm going to tell you how strong I believe it. That's some Pentecostals that are going straight to hell. Oh, well, we don't like it when you talk like that. This is what Paul said about it, 2 Timothy 3, 5. He called it a form of godliness. A form of godliness. I I hear what you're saying. If they've denied going to church for all their life, I can understand little miniature blessings, little miniature victories. But don't just stop there. Don't stop there. I was in a movement. I was in a movement for a few years, many years ago. Just got out of high school. wasn't living right. You know that doesn't matter. But uh, two or three years into post high school life, and started attending a church that now I look back on it, and they were doctrinally unsound. Not in a little, but I mean a large amount, all right? And my mother told me later, oh, you know, we we celebrated that small little victory, but we kept praying, God, open his eyes to all truth. Isn't that what Jesus said the Holy Ghost will do? It will lead us, it will guide us into all truth. So that's why it's so important to have the Holy Ghost today. Because religious temptation, deception, and flattery appeals to the flesh. I need to have a rock I can go to. Stand on and appeal towards. That will lead me into all truth. All right, just stand here and read, Ron. Lamentations 4.12, another one of those scriptures that you you just can't skim over. Lamentations, this is Jeremiah writing. The kings of the earth and all the inhabitants, the Bible said of the world, would not have believed that the adversary and the enemy, the adversary and the enemy, The adversary and the enemy entered the gates of Jerusalem? You know what Jeremiah said? Saying, we kind of stopped and took inventory and realized, how did we get here in this thing? How did that component get amongst us? I'm going to get quiet here today. Jeremiah said, we stopped and took a personal inventory. How did that get among us? They didn't believe it. Where there used to be prayer, now there's television. Where there used to be fasting and living for God and loving the holiness way, there's, there's music that borderline can't tell where it came from. Unless they give you a copy of the lyrics, you don't know where that music came from. Oh, I just think I'll preach a little bit today. I think I'm just going to open up a can of worms this morning. Just because the lyrics seem to glorify God. Oh, watch all the young people. It's going to be a major chasm. Anybody ever been to the Grand Canyon? What what an amazing. it's, It's like you just want to stand there and absorb what you can. The colors and the the grandiose nature of it all, so large, you just get swallowed up in the beauty of such things. And sometimes, sometimes music, worldly music, it, it, it appeals, not sometimes, it frequently appeals to the flesh. I don't need, you don't even have to confess anything today. You all, we all have our favorite little song. It's got that drive, that rhythm, that tempo, that cadence, that timing, that beat ooh, it just gets me going, man. I, I like it. The flesh just loves it. Don't even... Hey. Watch out. When music gets that deep into the soul and it, and it does anything but want to make you say, God, I love you with all my heart. God, I love you with all my soul and all my mind. That's the problem with older people. They don't understand the new generation. You're right. You've never been more right in your life. But you understand one thing, young people. I've been where you are. You ain't never been where I am. Praise the Lord. I'm not saying it all has to sound like some country twang to it either, but I am saying this. If, if Jesus Christ can't sit down and feel glorified in the middle of it, I'd take that junk and throw it in the garbage can today. Yeah. I think we ought to have a hip-hop Christian concert. I don't. And just because it's on Caleb doesn't mean we need to be singing it. I'm just talking about religious pollution. You want to know how a separated, holy body of believers gets to the place where they go, how did we become this? We used to be this. How did we become that? One thing at a time. Let, let down one standard. Let down one love for God. One stronghold that you and God have created. I'm not talking about evil things, obviously. You see, anywhere God sends truth, the devil counters with religious pollution. Muddying the waters of truth with sewage, causing confusion. It was the religious crowd, Brother Jim Aldrich, that persecuted Jesus Christ. Brother Rick, it was the religious crowd that persecuted Peter, Paul, James, and John. Brother Paul, it wasn't the sinful crowd, it was the religious crowd that sent John to the Isle of Patmos. I say this confidently today and lovingly that we deal with more issues, I deal with more issues from religious people than I do complete sinners, hands down, hands down, not even close, not even in the same ball field. I like what Mark 12:37 said. The common people heard him gladly. Common people heard him gladly. It was the Pharisees that hated him, but the common people loved him. You want contrast? Acts 2:13. Some of these religious people. I mean, Holy Ghost was about to be poured out in Jerusalem religious people I guess it has been pardon me already religious people looking at the apostles and going they're drunk look at them the Bible King James said they mocked them they're drunk but you shoot down to verse 37 of Acts chapter 2 here's the sinners and all they're saying is how do I how do I fix me how do I fix me how do I get me right Religious people saying, "You folks are nuts." Sinners saying, "I feel God. I just want to get right with him. What's the difference? Religious pollution. Jesus told because your traditions. That's yes, sir. That's right. Isn't that powerful too? Tradition renders the the word. That's seven thirteen, Mark, and then Psalm one thirty eight too. By the way, he he talks about magnifying his word above all his name. How can anything render the most powerful, dynamic resource you've ever come into contact with—the Word of God? Someone, give me a Bible. Somebody, who's got a Bible? Thank you, sister. How can anything render this of none effect? It doesn't seem possible, but tradition does that, Brother Lance. I'm not scolding anybody. I'm trying to warn you that love the Lord today. The reason we don't just open up and have everything with an opinion come over the pulpit to you when I know you tire of my voice, but the problem is this: I, I fear God enough to take care of your soul. Amen. God. I know it. I know I do. I don't want to. I don't want to stand before God and have to explain why pollution, religious pollution, watered down a special relationship between you and God. Now. I promise you I'm winding down here. I'm going to to try to wrap this up, but I have a feeling I'm going to get some resistance, so I'm going to do my best just to be quick about it. And what I'm about to say, you're not going to hear this on some Dime Store Salvation show, okay? You're not going to hear it on the Religious Pollution Channel either. guarantee you that. I'm going to stay in the Word. I'm going to stay right in the book. Revelation 10, verse 9. Give me the book. Give me the Word of God. (laughs) Scripture. Scripture says, The Lord Jesus Christ said, God manifest in the flesh, commanded, commanded, it's mandated it is irrevocable you can't change this, this isn't changed depending on who gets in the White House in four years this is unchanging Lucifer can't change it Gabriel can't change it Paul can't change it Jesus commanded except you repent, Luke 13 3 And you can do what you wanted with that. You can explain it away, muddy it up, pollute the waters. My grandpa didn't believe that way. Do whatever you need to do. But you're going to stand before God one day, and his word that will never change, never be altered, never fudged, never manipulated, said, except you repent. I don't care if you're a preacher, a preacher's son, I don't care what position you occupy, except you repent. I like what Brother Bear said in this church. He said the difference between political powers and the real power of God is this. If the President of the United States walked in here out of respect, I don't care what what letter is on your voter registration card, out of respect, We would stand to our feet and give respect to the man that occupies the position of the President of the United States. I would. I would. Whether I voted for him or not, I'm going to respect the position. But if Jesus Christ come in among us, in the flesh, we wouldn't stand up out of respect. We'd fall on our face out of awe and reverence to God. Out of awe and reverence to God. That's the difference between political opinion and mandated doctrine. All right, Come on. Right. Amen. Now, oh, look, I love you. I really do. I love all of you today. But I love you enough to tell you: you keep doing things the same way, you're going to stand before God in this Scripture on Judgment Day. Come on. Gotta repent. Brother Richie, repentance does not mean just saying, oh, I'm sorry, I messed up. That's not repentance. There's room for that. There's there's an area where you've got to do that. Forgive me, God, I I goofed up again. But then the words have got to take legs. They've got to grow legs then. And that's repentance. The legs to your confession is repentance. God, forgive me. I promise you a year ago, watch how quiet it gets, that I would never pick up a pornographic magazine again. I promise you, God, I'd never turn on that triple X channel again. And I, I broke every rule again last night, God. Hey, brother and sister, there's some stuff that's latent sewage okay there's some stuff that doesn't even try to hide the filth of the content so please you're bigger than that you're bigger than that all you have to say is in the name of Jesus these things have bothered me in the past whether you you put you fill in the blank whatever it might have been but in the name of Jesus, I'm going to do, I'm going to do better. I'm going to, with the help of God, I'm turning that stupid thing off. I'm taking that thing to the dump. I'm burning that CD. Amen. Repentance is after you tell God, I'm sorry, forgive me. Repentance turns around and walks away from that. And it's not like Lot's wife, you're walking away going, Wow, I I'm sure gonna miss that. Man, I'm gonna miss that. Jesus said, remember Lot's wife, right? Luke seventeen thirty two? You've got to think about that. All right. It's not a suggestion. You know why some people, Brother Daryl, make a public move, a public declaration of their life, and they come up here and they repent, or, or at least they, they pray. Let me put it that way. They pray, and then they go down in a watery grave in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, and they never change. You know why that happens? You know why we do such a sacred thing and it makes no difference in some people's life? They don't repent. They don't repent. You can't just say, I'm sorry, God, and jump in the tank and expect everything to be okay. Between sorry and the tank, you gotta repent. You gotta put action to your remorse. You gotta put legs to your sorrow. Well, I don't see it that way, Pastor. My former preacher didn't say that. Well. You can believe your former preacher if you want to. But Jesus commanded it. You've got to repent. That's that's just plain and simple. This doctrinal season, right? Repentance is a command, not a recommendation. The reason some things never change in life, because people don't repent. Not that they don't feel remorseful, not that they don't feel sorrowful. They just don't repent. Okay. And then in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 38, that's in your Bible, by the way. Peter said unto them, day of Pentecost, Holy Ghost had been poured out. Can any man forbid water which has received the Holy Ghost? One point is said. Peter said unto them, look at this now. We've already established it in the word. Repentance is a commandment, right? Don't care what your religious background. Don't care the color of your skin, educational level and ability, financial status. Doesn't mean anything. Now, this is in the word of God right here. Then Peter said unto them, Repent. There you go again. And be baptized. It means by immersion. The word is baptizio in the Greek. It means by completely putting under. Doesn't mean sprinkling. If you got sprinkled as a child, I'm happy for you that you've got to this point in time where you can be led to all truth now. I'm not saying, I'm not saying anything about the past. I'm just saying God brought that, maybe use that to get you to this. Look what he said here though. For those that have already got their walls up for me. I got their walls up already. I'm in the Word. Repent and be baptized. You that understand it. You that get it. You that, you that wink. You, you, got, you, know, you and God got a special thing. That's the way some people live. Like, a God, he, me and God, He knows. Every one of you. Jerusalem was full of men of all nations' political persuasions at this time. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, dwellers of Mesopotamia, etc. On and on and on and on and on. And Peter said, Everybody. You gotta repent. Everybody's gotta repent. And everyone, he said, need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Why? Why? So I can join and become part of the Pentecostal church? That's not what he said. He said, for the washing away of those sins, the remission. Acts 2:16. Acts 22, 16, now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized, washing away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. You've already brought them to the forefront. You've repented. You've confessed. You've repented. Now, Peter said, wash them out of your life forever. Wash them out of your life forever. If God calls me home today, brother and sister, my heart's going to be emptied. My conscience is going to be clear. Because every one of us need to know that unless we repent, we're going to perish. And Peter said, every one of you need to take this on. There's a way to take the name of Jesus in the watery grave of baptism. And he said, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What a precious promise. Well, that's the Pentecostal way. That's the Bible. I'm just going to give you word for thought because I'm, this is all on CD. You can check it out later. You can put lesson one with lesson two. Look at your Bible when you get time. Check it out. But Acts 8.16, Acts 10.48, Acts 19.5. Demonstrations of being water baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. I challenge anyone to find anywhere in the Bible where someone was water baptized and the baptizer was repeating the command of Matthew 28.19, I baptize your name, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. It's not there. You want to know why? I hope you want to know why. I hope you're hungry enough to know why. Because in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, they weren't even at a baptismal service. Jesus was commissioning the apostles to go out. And he said one time, the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. He didn't say name of the Father, name of the Son, name of the Holy Ghost. They'd all have different names then. He said name, singular, of Father, Son, and Holy Those are titles, and 50 days later, Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost and says, commands every one of them to baptize in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, if he was contradicting Matthew 28, 19, why don't we have reference to James, Paul, not Paul, James, Matthew, Mark. Luke Thaddeus Thomas saying wait a second Peter you're getting this doctrine all muddied up here that's not what Jesus said yeah. exactly right but the reason they did not record that that's not recorded is because they weren't denying Matthew 28:19 they were fulfilling Matthew 28:19. When you're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are obeying Matthew 28:19 to be baptized in the name, the name, the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And brother and brother and sister, if there's anything ever been under polluted attack, They're looking at you who've taken on the precious name above all of their names and a, a, blaming you to be an elitist, an extremist, an isolationist when all you've done is wo- obey the Word of God. Yeah, right. they, they look in your stream of water and they go, wow, that sure is clear. That's why when you've truly repented, Sister Mary, and you go down in that tank by complete immersion in the name of Jesus, you get out of the tank, you go, it really is different now. It really is different now. If you truly repent it's different. I've got to show you something here. And it's and, uh, been 50 minutes since I started. I, I promise you I'm done. Repentance is commanded of God. Baptism in Jesus' name is meant for every one of you. I promise you if, you, if you've never been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I promise you, if you've truly repented, you want to come up out of that water a different person, you've made up your mind, I'm, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not going there anymore. I challenge you to be as honest as you can and let me baptize you in Jesus' name. And if you can come up out of that water and in a day or two or a week tell me nothing's, nothing's changed, Pastor, I'll pay, I'll pay your car payment next month. I'll make your car payment next month. Well, she will anyway. But I'm not lying there, though. I will, oh, she will. I'm sorry. Everyone of you are sitting today. You've got to repent, though. You have to truly, legitimately. All right. So we're going to go here. Acts 19. NIV. N I V. New International Version. Don't get me started on it, all right? That says King James. We don't have NIV? Does anybody have an NIV in their lap? There you go, put it on your phone, NIV Acts 19. Paul, having passed through the upper coast of Ephesus, found certain disciples. Go back to one, please, Sister And Let's, let's get, give them the whole scope, the whole look of this. I hope, you're, I hope you're going to be open-minded here, because if you're going to go right back into the pollution of tradition, you're going to miss what God's trying to do for you today. And it came to pass while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. These were believers, Brother Tim. Believers! It had already been established. So let's just all believe God. Yay. Let's leave it alone. What's the point of even going any further? Found certain discipleship. discipleship means following. It's discipline. It's, it's a way with personal conjecture and opinion and discipline yourself to somebody else's teaching. He said, I found men like that. Alright, verse 2. And he said unto them, the disciples, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Now listen, this is where the devil wants to lie to you. Tells you that That I'm trying to preach to you that if you don't believe it this way, then you don't even know who God is or have no love of truth. Not what I'm saying at all. There's a lot of people that are trying to make their way to God, but they've been stymied or stumped or or lost traction. They still love God. But pollution has got in the way. He said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? He already said there were disciples and he said they're believers. What's the point? Why do I try to go on? And this, this religious thing in society, they, they, Brother Adam, if there's one source of pollution concerning doctrinal teaching that I'm doing today, it's right here. This is for sure. Legitimate pollution, what I'm about to bring out. They tell you that every time you acknowledge God, confess God, come to God and say, change me, you receive everything God is, including the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now I'm listen. They may be good people. They may be well-intending. They may have a good heart, and mean well. But I'm telling you, you have got to get in the book. You have to look in the scriptures rather than take. You need to look in the scriptures. Don't just accept religious tradition. Spirits test them. Try them. You know what I did? I, I need to retire real soon. First note, first thing on top of my notes is don't go longer than 20 minutes. I've been 55 minutes. i gotta, I got to quit. I need to go do something. Hush. I need to go do something I can control myself better than that. He said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? He didn't say, you bunch of deadbeat unbelievers. He's saying, man, that's awesome. You're a believer. You're a disciple. You're following things of God. And they said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. NIV. I'm reading the same thing out of NIV. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no. No. check it out niv now unless some new revelation has occurred which i'm joking it has not you're saying i'm not i don't love the lord pastor don't let the devil lie to you that's not what i'm saying at all he's twisting it again you're saying i don't have a relationship with god pastor i'm not saying that at all the bible said ishmael had the covenant or ishmael had the blessing of god but isaac had a covenant Ishmael had a relationship with God through the civil authority and Isaac had a spiritual covenant with God. All right. So I'm telling you, there's more to it. There's more. Not even heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Didn't get it when we believed in Jesus Christ. Didn't get it then. And so Paul, being the investigative type that he was, goes backwards in their relationship with God and says, well, how were you baptized then? Now, I'm taking some of your advice. Some of you come in my office and counseled me last week. Don't pay attention to those that are bored, Pastor. Just preach it. Don't worry about those that are yawning, half asleep. You better mean what you say. I wonder if they got any openings at Safeway. I need to do something better than this. How were you baptized? See, those things matter. They're doctrinal tenets and creeds of the Scripture. I, I know. You won't find that in the Religious Pollution Channel. Everybody love Jesus. I, I'm not making fun of loving Jesus. Of course we got to love God. We're preaching doctrine. Doctrine season. Buddy, i got the kill zone today, man. Ooh. I, I got the sweet spot, you hear me? of you that are CNN lovers, forgive me, okay? I'm not trying to be insensitive about this crazy world we're living in today. I'm just talking about the sweet spot. That, that's the heartbeat of God. When he says, if you don't do it, you, you, you perish, that's the sweet spot of God. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy today. Thank you for your goodness this morning, God. Thank you for caring for my soul, renewing my mind, encouraging my heart. Thank you, God, for leading us and guiding us and directing us and Helping us, Lord. I give you all the praise and all the glory. God of heaven, today I did what you told me to do. I went where you told me to go. I said what you told me to say, God. I'm asking you today, confirm your word with signs following. Asking you, God, today to bring a heart to this altar, repenting today. Asking you, God, to bring a soul, a man, a woman, a young child, an elder, a family, an individual to this altar in repentance today, God. They got their mind made up. They're serious about the things of God. They don't want to go back to the sewage and pollution of the world. God, I ask you today, I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you for it, Lord. Wonderful and holy and mighty and majestic name of Jesus. Here's what the devil's saying to some of you right now. If I go up there, the whole church is going to think I'm a sinner. Let me tell you something we're all sinners. We're all sinners saved by the grace of God. Someone's going to think ill of me or less of me if I go up there. That's their problem then. That's their problem then. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus.